You are listening to The Weird Sisters, Harry Potter Reread, Episode 9. On today's show, we discuss Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Chapters 7, 8, and 9, and the Pottermore articles entitled Pure Blood and The Chamber of Secrets. Hello and welcome to The Weird Sisters. I'm Danielle. And I'm Allison. And today we are back with the Chamber of Secrets, and things are getting serious. Yes. Oh, yes. I like that you wrote that in our notes that Hedwig is still angry because that's normal. Because it starts out like Harry's having a bad week, basically, and just casually drops in that Hedwig is still mad at Harry about the whole flying car, rattling around, whomping willow incident. And, I mean, we kind of talked about it last week, you know, the weird personification of creatures that we just kind of go along with and don't think too much about in the series and maybe that's in part two like we feel so sad later on when Hedwig leaves us <laughs> because <laughs> euphemistically yeah but like how does Harry know that Hedwig is angry at him well, because she's rude she she expresses her displeasure quite a lot she bites him sometimes well, I'm just saying, like, that's not a typical owl behavior. Oh, I didn't know you were owl behaviorists. Well, it's a bit, what's the word? Anthropomorphizing? Anthrop- yeah. Yeah. Although I just thought it was kind of cat-like. A cat holds a grudge. Maybe owls do too. <sighs> but do they really? I have over- no idea. It's been a while too. Just- Maybe we can buy an owl when we visit Harry Potter World and we can find out. And it, but I don't want it to be angry at me. Well, then you better not be <laughs> such a, you know, attention seeking jerk like Harry. I think I'm in the clear. I okay. Hope. Okay. Uh, so Harry's has early morning Quidditch practice because Wood has new enthusiasm. Wood's a little crazy. Yeah. And apparently he's really worked up because they lost uh, the Quidditch Cup because Harry was in the hospital the last book. Right. Because So they were down a player. So A, number one, there's no subs. That seems insane. <laughs> and B, I... Okay, I know we just read this book, but I don't remember that from the first book. Did they comment on how they lost really badly? I think very briefly, but it was overshadowed because Gryffindor still won the House Cup. Uh... I think she should have included that Quidditch scene, just Gryffindor getting slaughtered. But at the end flies by so quickly, they're there, and then Harry wakes up in the hospital. That's true. And it's, you know, five pages later, and it's over. I think Harry and Ron, like, maybe mention it when they visit, and they're like, oh, it was bad, like, without you. Yeah. It is kind of crazy that they couldn't put someone else in. Yeah. But they don't. Uh, and when they finally get on the practice pitch, who's there but the Slytherins? Wait, time out. I'm, yes, the Slytherins are there, and it's quite obnoxious. But also, Oliver Woods, like, he's the captain or whatever. How come they don't have Quidditch coaches? I don't know why they don't have Quidditch coaches. You know, it's like how the history teacher is always football coach why have i never thought of that before there are no coaches they're just students i like a history te- so professor ben should be the, cr- the oh, coach. 
<laughs> McGonagall needs to be. She's yeah, intense. she would be. She would be into. Yeah, she'd be a serious coach. I mean, Wood does a fine job. He makes all these plans. I'm just saying he doesn't have that kind of training. No. And also, are there, like, peewee Quidditch leagues? <laughs> With, like, little six-year-olds out there? Yeah, and then they're all just, like, flying in one clump around. No, okay, this is what I imagine peewee Quidditch to be. They're not allowed to fly. So it's like... When muggles play it's Quidditch, like muggle Quidditch, when they just run around with a broomstick between their knees, they probably shouldn't introduce bludgers until you're older. Oh, yeah, maybe. But... Seems a little harsh. <laughs> okay, well, okay. That aside, oh, yes. Slytherins are there, and not just the Slytherins, but Draco, because Daddy bought the team Nimbus two thousand and one. So guess what? He's all of a sudden the seeker. Well, and flashback to when he was complaining in the store about Harry Potter's special treatment, he broomstick, yada yada, and his dad scolds him, but then he just buys his way onto the team. Yeah. Yep, I thought that too. And to my surprise, it's Hermione who who yells at him and says, well, you bought your way onto the team. Yeah, her and Ron come down and she is not bashful about like pointing that fact out. Yeah, which earns her the no one asked your opinion, you filthy little mudblood. And everyone freaks out. Yes. We're getting into a fight. Ron tries to curse him. It doesn't go so well. Because his wand is broken. Yeah, okay. So was he trying to make Malfoy belch slugs or was that just like a random curse that backfired on him? I think he was because later Hermione... Kind of says, oh, that's a difficult curse, like, mm-hmm. for anyone with a real wand. So, I used to think that the slugs were just a unfortunate con- consequence, but Hermione reveals that, no, that was the intent that Ron was going for on Malfoy. Yeah, okay, yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, and that's, that's, a na- that's like, maybe the most disgusting things in all seven books. Oh, it's awful. I know. <laughs> But you know what? Something that might be, I guess, funnier, Ron belching slugs, is actually not played as that funny because we're taking Draco's insult very seriously. And it's not really about Ron belching slugs. It's about Hermione being called a mudblood. Right. I mean, everyone, like the Slytherins, burst, like, they think it's hilarious in the moment. And Malfoy is described as being on his hands and knees beating the ground because it's so funny. (laughs) But I think, yes, there's one, a gross factor, but also a a more serious overtone. And, like, you know, they go see Hagrid, and basically, you know, this is not a ongoing condition. Like, just get him out. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But Ron is, I guess, in between slugs, explains the significance of mudblood. How insinuates he have dirty blood. And, and then, of course, he goes on to, you know, defend Muggleborns. And obviously, they're just as talented and everything. And most wizards are half-blood anyway. And I did this poor, another poor shot at Neville. It's like, look at Neville. Neville's pure blood, and he can't stand a cauldron the right way up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it does kind of... I mean, I think this is hard for at least for me as a reader, to really 
feel the emotion of. Like, you know, there's... People react, even... Like, so Harry and Hermione don't know what that term means, but they sense that something bad has happened because of the reaction of the people around them. But, so one, like, if they don't know, like, does that matter, you know? And for, like, as a reader, it's just... Like, sure, we have comparable real-life scenarios, but it just seems so ridiculous that I can't be offended by Malfoy's words. Really? Yeah. See, I, I mean, even as someone who, you know, is hearing it for the first time, it's obvious what it means, right? Yeah. And, I mean, sure, you don't have a visceral reaction because you don't have, like, years of cultural context or experience behind it. But honestly, I think it works pretty well, especially with the way people talk about it afterwards and sort of where that, I don't know, is racist the appropriate term to use? <laughs> where that sort of racist um, feeling and vitriol rises throughout the, the books. Yeah. So you're offended is what you're saying? <laughs> uh, by, by Draco, always. I'm always offended by him. Okay. <laughs> so then I tried to look up if there was a, a Mudblood article on Pottermore, mm -hmm. and there isn't, but it did point, or at least I didn't find it, but it did point me to the Pure Blood article on Pottermore, so I guess it's opposite. Well biased, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she talks about that Pure Blood wasn't really a thing or a thing that people talked about or cared about. Um, and when S Salazar Slytherin was, you know, going all crazy about it, he was considered a weirdo. So... Well, I mean, he was definitely different, the other founders. So Salazar, you know, he wanted to be more selective in who, are they, who they were training um, and the content. And he differed from the other founders in that way. It, it seems like there wasn't a huge like, broader support for that, but enough, obviously, that, you know, at, probably as it is today, like, there's that pocket. Yeah, but I think he creates that pocket. Out of really. nothing? Well, I mean, obviously, you're always preying on people's, you know, fears or elitisms or whatever, but she mm -hmm. seems to suggest that, like, no one had really had a problem with this, and then they looked, and most people looked at him a little sideways when, with his ideas, but that they gained strength then after the Statute of Secrecy. Because Salazar Slytherin is before the Statute of Secrecy. Because Harvest yeah. is really old. Yeah, okay. I did like this, the little note about... So I guess it proves your point that... Basically talking about, you know, a lot of folks were muggle-born or, you know, married, a half-and-half, half, whatever. But they actually there was almost a sense that there was some particular talent that came out of it. And we got a new word, yeah. mag bobs, <laughs> like magic bobbing up in yeah. a new places. I like that. Yeah. Well, so it, it arises out of the statute of secrecy because the thoughts like that we talked about, well, if you marry people or muggles, or maybe it's more likely uh, to be discovered. And we thought, well, maybe you got a memory charm if you got divorced. <laughs> but she says that people would just think you were a raving lunatic. Yeah. Well, and 
as is perpetuated throughout the books, the sense that muggles are especially, I don't know, maybe even more so in the U.S., but anywhere, like, muggles are try really hard to ignore what's in front of them in terms of the magical world. So, like, yeah, let me tell you, I was married to this witch. Like, no, like, they're not gonna believe that even if there's evidence in front of them, which is, I think, cohesive with the greater story. Yeah. Okay, I did want to read this little section. It reminds me of, like, assigned reading in my liberal arts major, and I really liked it. Okay. <laughs> it says, As muggle wizard marriage had become common for centuries, those now self-describing as purebloods were unlikely to have any higher proportion of wizarding ancestors than those who did not. To call oneself a pureblood was more accurately a declaration of political or social intent. I will not marry a muggle, and I consider muggle wizard marriage reprehensible than statement of biological fact. Right. So not only are they jerks, they're enormous hypocritical jerks. <laughs> like, they know they're all inbred, but I'm going to stand for something else. Well, okay, yes, they're, they're inbred when, you know, when they take this, like, pureblood stance and then will only marry, quote-unquote, pureblood pure families. Right. But... They're not even pure blood. Yeah. Right? Um, and they like talk about dubious scholarship, you know, saying, oh, that well, really pure bloods, you know, have early show signs of magic earlier, are better at flying, blah, 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 blah. Sh babies show some sort of instinctual fear of muggles. And like the, those details really struck me as um, analogous to how fears and hatreds in the real world propagate and how people talk about them? No, that's, I thought the same thing. It's very true. Like, you know, oh, we can, we can kind of bend and stretch and create some truths here. And it, then it creates a fabricated sense of fear, superiority, or what distinction that really isn't there. And I, I honestly think that JK does a really, like, she addresses some of those more serious issues, I mean, in her world, but that are, that are not so different, right? Like, if you, even at this point, we're still in a very, a pretty kids book mode, I mean, we're getting some darker elements, but here she is just throwing this at you, like, you know, inequality and insults and better thans. Yeah. No, it's really good. Uh, I, I did like, there is actually is a, apparently someone put together a list of who was considered pure blood and there's like 20 something families on it. Lots of very familiar last names if you care to go look. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Pretty much the majority of them you'll recognize just from very secondary characters who get mentioned as students. But then the note too that of that list some some folks on the list, like they point out the Weasleys were on that list, but they were vehemently against it, saying like, no, this is ridiculous. There are definitely muggles in our family. We know that. We're proud of that. And then folks who were left off the list who are supportive of it and angry about not being included. Yeah. Yep. And it's a pretty it is, interesting article. You should go read it yeah. if you have a time. It is a bit ridiculous, though, because... Just in terms of, you know, genes and wanting to 
propagate the species well, like, you shouldn't go for pure, pure blood. Yeah, okay, and not that I want to, you know, fall into pure blood propaganda, but I have <laughs> wondered, is there, like, a dilution of magic? Or, or is it like, well, if you're a witch, no matter how your family got, you know, what your family background is, you would have a like the same chance of producing a magical offspring. Do you know what I'm saying? Like some some genetic Punnett square reaction? Yeah, some Punnett square Like a recessive action. trait, you yeah. know, yes. combined. I imagine that if you're magical, your chance of producing a magical child is like the same, no matter what your past genes are, but I don't know. And you don't, it, like it doesn't get outweighed by a, a non-magical spouse? Because really... Pretty, do we have any, you know, they, we learn about Filch being a squib in these chapters as well. And the the understanding is that that's a very rare phenomenon. Yes. If you have a magical parent, one or two, that you're pretty much guaranteed to have magical children. Yeah. I feel like it must not have a significant effect if you have a child with a muggle because otherwise people wouldn't do it. Like, if it had a, dem mm. a demonstrable chance that your kid wasn't going to be magic, people mm. wouldn't do it. And and purebloods would talk about that. Or people who advocate purebloods, so they would be like, well, your kid won't be magical, blah, blah, blah. Right. So, but then the flip side is you have folks that, like, muggle-born witches and wizards who pop up, and that's not all in the family, you know? No, yeah. Like, one sibling and then not the other. So I don't how know. How does that happen? I don't We need to take a genetics class. Okay. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So Harry's life just keeps getting worse then, after we deal with the, the slugs and the Quidditch and Draco. Now we have detention with Lockhart. Oh, you missed, you skipped my, the good part with Hagrid. Oh, I'm sorry. Good part with Hagrid, go. Well, I just, you know, they're... They're debriefing in Hagrid's hut, and we know that Lockhart was just there. And for one, Hagrid does not believe Lockhart for a minute. Yeah. Puts him in his place, and even pits, like, Harry's fame against him, which is kind of ingenious for Hagrid. Yeah. And then we get this tidbit, too, that Guinea has been wandering around, and Hagrid insinuates that he's that she's looking for Harry. Oh, yeah, and she wouldn't say no to a signed photograph. Oh, yes. Okay, oh, I just thought of this. Okay, Hagrid says that Jenny's been wandering around by the cabin or something. Yeah. Okay, my details are fuzzy, so I could be completely crazy. But okay. is, is this when she's, like, getting the chickens and stuff? Or is this supposed to allude to... Remember, because she's killing those chickens. Yeah. I don't her, think that's... I don't know. It just, when you said that she was wandering around, it made me wonder yeah. if that's what she was up to. Right. I mean, my I think my impression is always that she's not fully under that yet. But I don't know. Well, there's other little nods to Ginny and her condition in these as we get further in these chapters. So yes, we'll talk yes, about that. for sure. But detention but yeah. with Lockhart. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah, and we're answering his fan mail, of course. Mm -hmm. He must keep up on his correspondence. 
Oh my gosh. And this is so similar to the detention with Umbridge, right? Oh yeah. I mean, less evil. Yeah, but the writing and, ugh. Mm -hmm. Surely that has to be intentional, that mirroring. Yeah, we, and Blackheart's just going on and on, of course, about himself. Yeah. You know, his usual prattle. Yes. But at, once he survives, he then hears the whisper for the first time. The creepy, come, let me rip you and tear you and kill you. That's alarming. Yeah, it is alarming. Like, and Lockhart doesn't hear. No. Okay, when I was a kid, I kind of thought in the beginning that this was another one of Harry's dramatic, like, dream sequences or something. You know, he's given yeah. to such visions and such. No, it's very... I don't really remember, but that's a reasonable jump, because... Mm -hmm. What the heck, Harry? Yeah. And he does tell Ron and Hermione, but of course we decide not to tell anyone. Which well, I guess is reasonable. In that, you could just be going a little crazy. And Ron says as much. Yeah, later on. Well, Ron believes you, him, but... He says, well, it's not really a good thing to hear voices, even if you are a wizard. Yeah. Yeah. Though so, so I did like, at the end of this chapter, the little nod, because Ron also served attention, but he had to polish the trophy room. Mm -hmm. And he says, like, oh, I puke slugs. He's still puking slugs <laughs> on this one, you know, a bunch of times. And it was award for special service to the school. Yep. Mm -hmm. That all that polishing of that award will pay off. Look, so the the broken wand from the Whomping Willow to Malfoy's mudblood cursing, backfiring, slug eating detention, and that's how we know one of the important clues. I suppose that's true, but still, I think he should get his wand fixed. Yes. How <laughs> how can he do his homework? Uh. <laughs> All right, our next chapter is entitled The Death Day Party. Mm -hmm. uh, we start this chapter with a little flavor about it's cold season, and they're giving mm -hmm. pepper up potions for colds. And I was just like, man, I want one of those. And it made me think of, like, all the other potions there must be. Like, there must be, like, magical Red Bull that just, like, makes you super hyper and awake or super smart or whatever. And I want, like... I would just be so high on, like, every <laughs> every possible benefit I could chug down. I don't know if that's allowed. Yeah, you would think that there would be some sort of, like, serious substance abuse problems. <laughs> when you can solve so many problems with magic. But then maybe there's not a problem because of that same reason. Maybe not. But here, okay, here's where we get another Jenny detail is... We hear that Percy has p forced her to take a pepper up potion because she's looking pale and sick. Mm -hmm. And we know she's not really sick. She's I possessed. Guess, yeah, I guess possessed. Or at least sometimes possessed. Mm -hmm. um, they so. must never be sick. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> well, no, you get special magic sick. And then you get insane. 
when we go to the book where we read the departments for St. I can't yes. say that word. St. Mungo's or whatever. The floors. Yes. All yes. sorts of magical, terrifying things that can Ailments happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe if you take all those potions, they won't work out. Maybe not. Maybe there's like the, you know, side effects. Don't take X with Y. <laughs> maybe. There'll be a I'm lot sure. of potion mixing going on. Yeah. I'm sure like, also, if you're pregnant, you probably can't take any of them. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like in the muggle world. Oh uh, my gosh. There are never really babies. No. No. Right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay, so... Um, so we're having a conversation with Nearly Headless Nick. After Quidditch practice. Yes. Who <laughs> says, most people would think that I'm good and beheaded, but oh, it's not enough for Sir Properly Decapitated Podmore. <laughs> Made me giggle. <laughs> uh, yes, he's rather upset. He's been rejected from the Headless Horse Society. Which I gotta admit, I would reject him too. Because he can't juggle his head. Exactly. I'm sorry. But Nick's just a bit... He's always been a bit bitter. Yes. He's a sad sop. Him and Moaning Myrtle should get together. Oh, my goodness. Well, maybe... Do all ghosts... All ghosts kind of are like that then, right? Because ghosts... You have to kind of choose to live that half-life. So maybe you're not emotionally stable. So you make that decision... That's true, but the friar's happy. He's the only happy ghost. You don't know that? Yeah, I think there's reference that he's jolly and such. Well, yeah, but you don't know his secrets. I guess I, guess I don't know his secrets. I <laughs> <laughs> okay. don't talk to him that much. But while we're having this conversation with Nick, we, or we, Harry, gets taken to Filch's office for making a mess. Which, mm -hmm. I guess he's just really cranky today. Okay, so he's cranky because he's been doing a lot of cleaning. And my question is, why does Filch have to do a lot of cleaning? Because, I don't know, things need to be clean. Kids are dirty. Yes, but one, I'm okay, yes, Filch is a squib. But everyone else there is a witch or a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it seems really easy to magically clean things. And two, we know there is an army of house elves there. So how come they don't have to scrub the corridors? I don't know. Just to torture Filch. Um, maybe he should be angry. Or was it just a nice, like, Dumbledore was being nice to him or something? And gives him a job that he hates. <laughs> well, he would hate anything. That's, that's true. I feel like he would be happier among muggles. But he obviously hasn't admitted it to himself he's a squib, or I don't know. Well, he's gonna take those lessons and not be a squib, obviously. Obviously. Okay. So, and that's what Harry discovers while he's in Filch's office, and Peeve must make a racket, so he runs off, mm -hmm. and he looks at the letter. And mm -hmm. since I love the letters of Harry Potter because they're like little artifacts that have come to the muggle world, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read his quickie spell letter. Or a quick spell. Quick spell. I always said it quickie. I know there's no you other like I Like a there. quick stop? Quickie stop? <laughs> quick spell. A correspondence course in beginner's magic. Feel out of step in the world of modern magic? Find yourself making excuses not to perform simple spells? 
Ever been taunted for your woeful wand work? There is an answer. Quick Spell is an all-new, fail-safe, quick-result, easy-learn course. Hundreds of witches and wizards have benefited from the Quick Spell method. Madam Z. Nettles of Top Sham writes, I have no memory for incantations, and my potions were a family joke. Now, after a Quick Spell course, I'm the center of attention at parties, and friends beg for the recipe of my scintillation solution. Warlock DJ Prod Didsbury says, My wife used to sneer at my feeble charms. But one month into your fabulous quick spell course, and I'm six, and I succeeded in turning her into a yak. <laughs> Thank you, quick spell. <laughs> it's so great because it's like all of those cheesy infomercials. Exactly. By now, for you know, one easy payment of nineteen ninety nine. Oh, so. Filch, I guess we don't know he's a squib at this point. Filch gives us that word a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he comes back and you know he sees Harry, he's read the letter, so he lets him go. Uh, and here's a little detail. Peeves is making all that racket by destroying the vanishing cabinet. Yeah. Which, where was it before? I don't know. Well... Because I thought it was always in the room of requirements. Yeah, okay, I think we might have to do a little hand-waving over that part. Okay. <laughs> I think maybe that doesn't quite make sense. But I like it's the reference like to the vanishing cabinet. a big thing for Peeves to be able to, to lift. I guess. And how does a ghost lift anything anyway? Ghost physics are very confusing. <laughs> Another mystery. Yes. Uh, but... So it was actually nearly his headless Nick that gets Peeves to make the racket in hopes of letting Harry go. Which and was nice of him. It was very nice of him. But as uh, as repayment, now Harry has to go to his death day party on Halloween. 500 years dead. That is a long time to be dead. To be floating around. Like, that's and too you, much. You think he's just been at the castle the whole time? Just, like, hanging out with kids for 500 years? I don't really know what his relationship to the Hogwarts is. I guess. I know, where else do ghosts go, I guess? I don't know. No, a lot of people, a lot of, you know, foreign ghosts came to his party, so they get out some. I guess. Yeah, we don't really get into the details of ghosts. No, but it does seem a miserable never-ending existence. Yeah, and okay, I know I said the belching slugs were maybe the grossest thing, but a close second is all the rotted food at the party. <laughs> and that image of them just like floating through open mouths. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and we also get a little tiny introduction to Moaning Myrtle, because she's at the party. And we learn that she haunts the toilet. <laughs> And that she also has some serious emotional stability issues. Yes, she does. She's like trapped as an insecure preteen girl. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. Like, she was. she's probably like 14 or something. Would you like to be 14 forever? And live in a toilet? Yeah. yeah. What does Hermione say? Oh, she, she says, or... Something about how if it's being awful trying to have a pee with her wailing at you. <laughs> that would be awkward. Yeah, it would be. 
Yeah. She throws a fit. Oh, basically, Pew shows up, too, and does not help the situation. No. Moaning Myrtle is being moaning Myrtle. You know, I when I watched the movie and I saw her, it was kind of weird and jarring to me. Because I didn't really imagine her as a girl. Like, a, not, like, I didn't imagine her as a boy. I mean, I didn't really imagine her as, like... The youth? Yes, I don't know what I was picturing. I was almost picturing like comical, like floating sheet over your head kind of ghost. <laughs> Casper. And then, yeah, exactly, Casper, exactly. And then when she was just this sad little girl with like glasses or something, it was weird. And I was like, how do you fit in a toilet? <laughs> I think her shape is malleable. Okay. <laughs> you know, as a ghost. Uh huh. But yeah, she's also, you know, it's like the emo hair and all of that. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, we should take a moment to acknowledge that this is Halloween. Yes. Again. Again. We always talk about Halloween. I mean, this is not the main event, but it's kind of weird and creepy that his death day is parties on Halloween. Yeah. Well. So, we're not at the party or the feast for for Halloween. But what mm-hmm. marks this Halloween as significant is that then he hears the voice again. I yeah. smell blood is what the voice says. And Harry goes chasing it. Of course. Well, he wants to prove he's not crazy. I don't know if that's the way to do it. Well, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really help his cause. Um, mm-hmm. And then we find Mrs. Norris stuck to the wall. Mm-hmm. There's water on the ground. Mm-hmm. And it says, the Chamber of Secrets has been opened. Enemies of the air beware. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that is pretty ominous. It is. You know, it's kind of, the, the message is kind of extra, overly ominous for the fact that there's just a cat on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> like, is the cat a mud blood? I don't know. <laughs> well, no. We, if you remember when we figure this all out, it's the water on the floor that's significant, right? Because well, yeah, that's why she doesn't die, and moaning Myrtle causes it, right? She overflows the bathroom. Yes, so Cause... so Mrs. Norris sees the basilisk in the reflection, so she's petrified and not dead. Well, yeah, that's. But I don't know if you're gonna have a big moment. Of, like, writing on the wall and whatnot. Why kill the cat? Or petrify the cat? I guess I I imagine it as, like, it didn't really. It was just a happenstance. So there was not... It was just supposed to be writing on the wall. I guess that's not very dramatic. I guess. But, okay. But then this the, the cat stuck to the wall. So, No, it's, Jenny, like, hanging on the... It's hanging on the, the torch holder thing. Yeah. So... Okay, Ginny did this. Let's take for let's imagine that scene for a second. Where she's all bleary eyed, like and all did we ever find out is it blood on the wall? I I think it is, but now I can't remember if that's explicitly stated. Though it doesn't come off like they try to clean it, it doesn't come off. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, I don't know. Okay, but let's imagine poor Ginny writing on the wall and then taking this cat and sticking it up there. Well, okay, and so the cat gets petrified because the basilisk is there. 
and the cat sees the reflection in the water. Where's Ginny when the basilisk is hanging out? I... Well, she had to have just been there. Because she wrote on the wall. Is she Im- immune from the basilisk when Tom is in control of her? I guess. Maybe it just doesn't look at her. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, does she... I don't... Because she is... How does that work? Because she is the one, like, doing this all somehow. Or she opened the chamber. She opened it. And then the basilisk comes out. Yeah. Like, because people are getting petrified, so the basilisk is about, but somehow Ginny is still involved in this. Yeah. Well, she does all the writing. She's like the basilisk scribe. (laughs) Because it's hard for him to hold a quill. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, Snape walks in and suspects Harry and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I suppose our Snape suspicion is fair because Snape is always suspecting Harry right back. <laughs> well, he's asking some good questions like, so you weren't at the feast? So you weren't hungry? you like, hmm, just happened to be here. Yeah, I mean, well, not being at the feast is easy to explain. The ghost saw him at the party. But Snape knows that there's something Harry's not saying. Sure. And what Harry is not saying is about, oh, well, we were led here because I heard this voice. Yes. Yep. But Dumbledore knows that only very advanced dark magic could have petrified the cat. Mm -hmm. So Harry's off the hook. What do you think Dumbledore is thinking at this point? Yeah, you know, especially in, like, we talked a lot about this in the first book. Like, what does Dumbledore know and why isn't he Uh doing more about it? Because, Because when we know, like, how much Dumbledore knows, how clever he is, how much he knows about what's going on and how he puts things together, it seems ridiculous that he doesn't at least suspect what's really happening. You think it's ridiculous that he doesn't suspect that Ginny is held captive by well, like, a book horror crux Tom Riddle? I mean, <laughs> no, but you, you think he would suspect a, ba- a basilisk or, you know? So you think Dumbledore knows there's a basilisk in the school? I don't know. He knows a lot of stuff. That would keep me up at night if I knew that. Like somewhere in these walls, there's just a basilisk slithering about. Yeah. It's disgusting. I mean, really, you think it should be killing a lot more people. It's really pretty reserved. Uh, Yeah, again, it doesn't seem very good. Like... It didn't even have a plan here. It just came out and had Ginny write for her, and there happened to be a cat. Like, yeah. Okay, well, so maybe we can bring in some of the stuff that's in the, the Chamber of Secrets article. Okay. Is the... So the, the idea is that, yes, I mean, there really was a Chamber of Secrets. It really was put there by Salazar Slytherin. And the basilisk is supposed to be, A, awoken by the air of Slytherin, and then B, cleanse the school of students unfit to learn magic. Yeah, that's a bit extreme. It is. But like I said, not very effective. 
<laughs> and how how is the basilisk to discern who and is who who is a pure blood, which we know isn't even really a thing, and who is not? Is the air dictating that to the basilisk? Well, yes, I think because okay. I mean Riddle can command the basilisk. Right? So the basilisk doesn't kill on its own. But yeah, okay. I would think if it's like let into a school, if it's just unleashed, it's a killing monster, it's just going to kill willy-nilly. Yeah, but that's not what happens. Maybe we'll get some more details when we read the end and Riddle is talking about, you know, where Riddle does a thing where he tells everyone a secret yeah. plan. Yeah, though so the basilisk wasn't... That came later. Well, not... Like, Salazar, you know, discrepancies, founders, he makes his own special place, no one else gets to do that. And it's only when he was kicked out that he's like, oh, I see how it is, you're all gonna regret this later, let me catch a monster and leave it here. (laughs) Okay, and I don't know if this is a meaningful discrepancy, if it's meant to be this way or not, but when they ask Professor Binns about the Chamber of Secrets, mm-hmm. he says, um, or at least the way I read it, he was saying that Slytherin left, basically, because of disagreements. But on the article, it says that he was kicked out by the other ones. Now, may- maybe this is this probably, it, they weren't really meant to suggest an actual difference in the telling of the story. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was interesting. Like, do you think he, w- he left or was he kicked out? Because that's significant. Yeah, forced out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he was satisfied with how things were. I don't know. Because, honestly, if he leaves and he's not kicked out, it reflects poorly on the other founders. Because they didn't kick him out? Yes. I mean, I guess you don't know how forceful he was in his ideas. But if you have a founder of your school who is aggressive or antagonistic towards some of the children who attend your school, you think that would be a problem? I don't think he was at the time openly saying to the others, hey, look... Y'all suck. We should purge you. <laughs> no? No. Okay. Just a feeling. Okay. Maybe. Maybe he leaves and then he goes, he lets us crazy out for real, I guess. Well, that's, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, you know, he was definitely felt stronger about like, all right, we should maybe be more selective. Let's teach more dark arts. But I also think too, Hogwarts is still... Like, very loosey-goosey. It's got a couple students. You know, it's not so historic and set in stone and whatnot. And so he's just, like, secretly developing this this place and, you know, a monument to himself in a lot of ways. Where, all right, all right, this is all right, but maybe this is where I come and teach my special students all my secret tricks. Yeah. And then I guess it does make more sense if he's kicked out and then he's like, huh. This is my plan now. Let me catch a basilisk. Where does one get a basilisk? <laughs> Wait, I I, sh- I know this. I think they say this in one of the books. It's really? like yes, it's like hatching a, it's hatching some kind of egg under some other kind of animal. What? I, and that I, makes a basilisk. Yes, I think Snakes it's like, don't come from eggs. 
Yes, they do. Actually, yes, they do. Oh, crap. <laughs> well, actually, I think some snakes are live birth and some are eggs, actually. Okay, time out. I got to Google this because we got to know. <laughs> Where basilisks come from? I'm going to Google how to make a basilisk. <laughs> I mean, pull? I get that he's a powerful parcel, parcel tongue, parcel mouth. And, you know, you get like Voldemort has Nagini. So there is a special relationship with snakes. But is it so rare? You know, he's like, none of the other founders knew it. No one has found the chamber because no one's been a parcel mouth. So you're telling me that no one else, like no one else has been one? Well, I think we get the detail that only Slytherins are parcel mouths, right? And Harry. And Harry. Oh, I guess that well, doesn't make... Okay. Well, Voldemort imparted his powers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. But it seems like none... But, but, but in that So there's chamber... never been a headmaster from Slytherin that could hear it? Well, but it's still rare among Slytherins to be a parcel mouth. Mm-hmm. And we do it get in that article that the chamber has been found and opened before. But not like open basilisk set free, like, uh, hey, look what I got over here opened. Yeah, I don't know if it was entirely clear, but... so That was my impression. It has been opened, but, you know, its location has not been recorded. Okay, but I found, I found what the basilisk is. Okay, how do we get one? It says, a basilisk is often confused with a cockatrice, but the, the bat... Oh, that's another mythical creature. I don't know. I fight them in The Witcher. It's a thing. Um, A basilisk is born from a chicken's egg hatched beneath a toad. What? (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I knew something like that. Okay, that seems way too easy to procure then. It does. Although, how do you make the toad sit still? (laughs) Put it in a small box. A small, tall box. Okay, well, I'm glad you have your plan to make it a basilisk. (laughs) Just saying, a chicken egg and a toad are very common. Yeah, it does seem quite dangerous. Maybe that's what Neville's doing with his toad. Okay, why are you making Neville evil now? <laughs> uh, okay, but this article, it's all lovely, good, and Salazar Slither and everything. But there's this little detail. Remember when we discussed wizards and toilets? Yes. Okay, there is a detail about wizards and toilets in this article. That they just used to go wherever they were. Yes. Is that toilets are one of the few muggle inventions they adopted. <laughs> and they would just van they would just go and vanish the evidence. Okay. Being able one, this is a point in my book about why do we need to clean, but that's a different subject. <laughs> But two, being able to vanish it while convenient doesn't change the fact that if you're just, like, in a public place having a conversation, you can't just pop a squat right there. Like, that's not okay. <laughs> like, even if, even if you vanish it away afterwards, you still had to do that. <laughs> they saw the light and they got their toilets, okay? <laughs> just saying, that's like a... That's some really intimate interactions with people. <laughs> okay. Mm. All right. But. Moving away from that topic. But no. Okay, but, but no. <laughs> just to say that that's why. I, there used to be, like, it was just a trap door before. But then when they got the plumbing, that's how it became part of the bathroom. 
Yes. In that article, it does talk about, and then how the pipes, the, like the plumbing then and the pipes let the basilisk move around, which obviously we're going to get to at the end of the book. So, which makes me wonder how big is a basilisk? I know it's depicted as enormous in the movie, but how big are these people's pipes that the basilisk can move through? <laughs> well, I don't think I can go up into your sink, but you know, your main septic lines are pretty big. I guess. Um, we do also get a couple references that Ginny is very disturbed by this incident about Mrs. Yeah. Norris being petrified. Well, and she basically is afraid for Ron, too. She is? Well, it comes... Where did this happen? Um, like, when they... When Harry, Ron, Hermione kind of end up back there and they're kind of snooping around and Percy comes by and scolds him for it. He's like, hey, like, she's really upset by this. And I, th I think that she was worried for them, too, somehow being involved. Oh, okay. I think I remember that... I think it's like Percy insinuates that that's why she's upset. But we, oh, the, but we the reader know, or the second time reader knows, is that she is upset because... She, she feels like she had something to do with it and that she i think he talks about being expelled like that ron could be expelled but i think the implication is jenny's afraid that she could be expelled or worse well i don't she doesn't really know that though well she she does not have clear memories but she has like weird fragmented things that's a really rough first year yes school does not go well you spend most of your time being possessed by Tom Riddle and being the scribe of a basilisk. Yeah. And when you're not doing that, you're pining after Harry Potter. You're Ron's best friend. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, tough. It is tough. Maybe she, but she comes out of it well. She puts all that behind her and then becomes a completely different character, really, after this. Mm-hmm. I did like Percy's comment, basically, that, like, all the first years were were so worked up about it all. Yeah. And I think Ron explains Ginny's reaction to this is that she really likes cats. <laughs> Which oh, yeah. is a funny line. Oh, yeah. Oh. I do... <clears throat> um, I think Hermione is kind of interesting in this chapter, she, you know, so we just had the mudblood incident. We learn more about the Chamber of Secrets and that it's, you know, anti her and oh. her self. And she's, I mean, she's kind of be being secretive and studying and trying to learn more and whatnot. But she's also, you know, typically she's one to be pretty skeptical, even if she kind of knows it's true. Like what Harry's crazy notions about snape or other things she she tries to be more rational and more skeptical about that and she's the one that from the beginning believes this really she's very intent on it um and she has her logic you know like dumbledore couldn't heal it it's there probably has to be this creature like you know all like myths even myths have a basis in historical reality like all of this stuff and she's she's pretty dead set on it and then you know I like that scene where she confronts Professor Benz in class. It's like probably the biggest 
moment for Binns in the whole series. Yeah. Right? You know, he tells us a little bit more, and she's persistent in that. So she, you know, whether it's her quest for knowledge or her own fear or what, but she, from the beginning, is, like, realizes that this is a concern and this is real. Yeah, okay, that's actually interesting. She is much... She does buy in much earlier than she usually does. And then you mm-hmm. went, you asked, well, is it because of her own fear? Right. Which is a very interesting question, actually, which I hadn't thought of. Because I was going to say that it seemed like Hermione actually was fairly unaffected by the whole Mudblood incident. Mm-hmm. Like, she obviously, you know, doesn't like Draco and understood that it was a serious insult. But I feel like, if I recall throughout the books, that she's fairly impervious to that kind of insults being thrown her way and that other people get more upset about it than she does. Yeah. I mean, I think she's probably smart enough to know that it's not like she's a rarity there, right? The majority of the school, like, maybe it's just a general fear of, like, hey, like, something's happening here and it's not good. Well, but I think you could be right. It could be, like, in part fueled by a real fear, but that's not something that she shows outwardly. Like no. outwardly she's like, yeah, whatever. I'm the smartest girl in this school and you know it. But there still mm-hmm. could be that, you know, that bit of fear that she doesn't talk about. I think it's a good point. Yeah. But she, I mean, she, she knows something's up. Yeah. And of course she was going to be the one to solve it all. Obviously. Obviously. We would never, well, the whole school would be in in ruins if it wasn't for Hermione. Forget Dumbledore. Who needs him? (laughs) We also get the tidbit here, too, when they are back by the Moni Myrtle's bathroom about the spiders. Oh, yes. The spiders are running away from the site. Yeah. Which, because spiders, like the basilisks, they're enemy, right? Yes, yeah, so I especially afraid of basilisks. Because we're going to have that whole spider scene later. Ugh, that's icky. Yeah. There's a lot of ickiness in this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. It will, okay, and again, at the very end of this chapter, um, they decide that, you know, Malfoy needs to be investigated. And they hatch a plan to do so. And, and you're right, it's Herm- Hermione doesn't say, whoa, slow your roll, like she might. Like, yeah. we maybe expect. She's the one that's doing it and making plans for Polyjuice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, She's oh, very aggressive in this. Yes. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't say anything because I can't quite remember it properly. But something with the Polyjuice, I feel like, there's some sort of worry about, like, taking it or is this going to have some sort of awful effects. And I feel like her- Hermione has a scene where she's like, she gets emotional about it and how it's really serious and it's affecting her and they needed to press forward with it. Or am I crazy? I don't recall. I might be making that up or we will stumble upon it and I'll say, see, look there. I <laughs> I, I knew that was real. <laughs> we shall see. Yeah, I forgot. She's already planning that here. Um, we also, I don't, do we mention? Because Malfoy's the one that, like when all of the students see the the initial cat blood water all that he's like mud bloods you'll be next in front of oh, everyone oh that's right okay yeah we did forget to mention that 
I wrote, I wrote down what he actually says. He says, enemies of the air beware, your next mudbloods. Yeah. That is a really incriminating thing to say. Right? And even though he really has nothing to do with it. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he but, doesn't know what his dad did, right? That's what I was just thinking. Yeah, he's not... He can't... Well, don't we also think that even... What's his name? Mr. Malfoy doesn't really know what the diary is anyway? This is where I'm confused. Okay, yes, I'm confused too. And I I don't know. We're just going to have to wait. Because if he doesn't have some inkling of, of what's going to happen, why give her a book? Right, but yet... That couldn't have... Was it just incriminating somehow? I don't know. And I... I I, we forget the details of this book so much easier, I feel like, than the rest of them. Yeah. Because in some ways it does, well... Because it doesn't fit in... There's only a small part of it that fits in with our, like, big Voldemort plot. Well, that's what I was about to say, but then you realize... I mean, it's kind of a moot point by the end, but this is the beginning of that. Like, this is the Horcrux. Yes. But like so obviously whether... he doesn't know it's a horcrux. Yes, because no one knows that. Yeah, and it's not really a, about Voldemort's return, really. But was the goal? Does he know it's connected to the chamber, and that she's going to open it? I don't know. We're just gonna have to wait and see because I okay. really don't remember. I know he <laughs> okay. doesn't know it's he. I know he doesn't know it's a horcrux. Yeah, but I forget what he, his intent was. Yeah, I have no idea. But I don't think I don't think Malfoy really knows about it. Whatever it is. No, probably not. He just likes He's to run his mouth. He's just being a jerk. Yeah, and it's like woohoo! So he know like he is aware of the legend and what it means. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable assumption. Well, that's Arch three chapters for this week. Now next week. On Tuesday, when we would usually release a podcast, we are going to be in Harry Potter world. So you will just have to live without us for a week because we're going to be a trifle busy. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. I know. I just, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that soon. But But it is. It's this week. I'm leaving this week. Okay. I, I read a Reddit thread about, and it was something about what doesn't disappoint basically. And one of the top answers was the wizarding world of Harry Potter lives up to its expectations. Okay. I was doing a little bit of research the other night. You know what I learned is if you buy a wand there, like the, and it seems like most of them are now, but a quote interactive wand, you get a map with it. And at different points in both of the places there, there are you can you have to like move your wand <gasps> and do spells and things happen. Oh my god, shut up. Yeah, so if you're gonna get one, you have to get it early and then you have to go and master all the spells. Okay. And apparently there's a few hidden ones and there's a you have to like go to Nocturne Alley and stand <gasps> in a special spot and then you see the hidden locations. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. It's like it's like a weird like geocaching or something with wands. <laughs> Scavenger. And they even said, like, 
Like some are a little easier and some a little harder. So it's kind of like you have to perfect your your you know your swish and flick. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't want to let Hermione down. I'm so excited. Okay. Well, you can get her wand if you want. Oh, because you can get the wands of each of the characters. Or I also now I'm gonna forget where it is. There's some tree that oh gosh something tree and basically harry's wand is associated oh gosh this is gonna make no sense but essentially jk accidentally made it made harry's wand match up like the wood celtic trees celtic woods or something they have properties or there's like a calendar his wand is holly Right. right, but so she didn't know about these Celtic, yeah, it's Celtic woods, trees, whatever. And, you know, there's like a whole mythology around their properties and whatnot based on your birthday. And so she found out afterwards and they actually like lined up and made sense. And then I think she started using that or having a special connection. So that was kind of cool. So you can, if you don't choose a particular character's want, you can get one based on your Celtic wood birthday. Oh, and they, and they have this, like, it'll show it to you at the yes. shop? Yes. At Ollivander's? Yes. Yes. Okay. Is and there there's a- all sorts of good eggshells that I found. Like, like cre- you have to look for creature being in one of the upper windows and fun things like that. Did you say eggshells? You <laughs> egg- mean Easter eggs? Yeah, Easter eggs. <laughs> Eggshells will be weird. I hope I don't find any. (laughs) Okay. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm sure we will report back. So probably, okay, even though we're going to miss a week, the following podcast will be really long because we'll have to talk about chapters 10, 11, and 12, and we'll have to talk about our trip. We're going to be there. We're going to be there. It'll be really, like... Where in Diagon Alley. Yeah. And Hogsmeade. And Hogsmeade. And castle. I know we haven't even gotten to Hogsmeade in the books yet, but I'm excited to go to Hogsmeade too. I'm just picturing it. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. I know you're all horribly jealous, but you should go too. Uh, I'm sh- we'll report back in vivid detail. Oh my goodness. I hope no one else is there, just us. Just, yeah. <laughs> okay. So come back in two weeks to hear all about our trip. And to talk about the Chamber of Secrets, chapters 10, 11, and 12. Mm -hmm. Uh, Until then, you can go over on iTunes and give us a rating or review. Um, And you can follow us on Twitter at at Weird Sisters Pod. And we will see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.